Hi, this is Mark. Thanks for tuning back into the second part in our Urban Myths podcast. I want to call it series, but there's two. So just <laughs> Urban Myths podcasts. Yeah, so this is just an introduction because we have already recorded the part two already. So um, it's just to let you know, we're just going to, once we've finished talking here, it's just going to go straight into the second part where we're just talking about classic Urban Myths etc also i just want to take this opportunity to give a shout out to our um silent partner yasmin yep hi yasmin so without further ado this is part two of urban myths way let's get into a bit more of a, a fun kind of urban myth side of things urban legends yeah, I think you've looked at some of the more sort of wacky and horror-based urban legends, so let's have a chat about some of them. Yeah, I think they're a bit of a laugh. The, the common ones are the the Bloody Mary, where you go and look at the mirror, and it's usually like people... I mean, I did this when I... I used to have sleepovers with my two best friends when I was in first year when we were like 12 or 13, and we would look in the mirror and say things like, oh, let's try it out, you know, Bloody Mary bloody mary bloody mary bloody mary and it was supposed to be like a, a, a woman or a witch called mary who was snubbed um by her lover or something or she and, and then she comes in and she appears in the mirror and she scratches your face off or something which is like why would you want to do that in the first place if you know that consequences are that she's going to come out and get you why would you want to summon her i'm not going to lie i laughed there because even though i now get what you mean for some reason I wasn't putting myself as the child in that scenario. I was putting myself as Bloody Mary. So when you said, why would you want to do that anyway? I was like, yeah, I mean, I've had some exes that are absolute dicks, but at no point have I gone like, you were such a dog to me. I'm going to possess a mirror and scratch out the eyes of children. <laughs> but the sort of origin that, that, that I think where that comes from is that mirrors and sort of myths and legends have magical qualities about them throughout the years like they were a lot of people use like modern witches or they use mirrors for scrying which is where you put water put pour water down a mirror and then you would stare at it and see if you could see any faces or if your face changes and it's supposed to like attract spirits or you can communicate with spirits through the mirror so maybe that's what that that sort of urban legend sort of grew into and it also makes me think, it's funny because it's free, and it's been around since like early 20th century, maybe even before that, like with the mirror thing. But also in South Park, I keep bringing up South Park because they're absolutely genius. They bring in this urban myth where instead of Bloody Mary, it's Biggie Smalls. So you basically say Biggie Smalls' name. 
three times and he appears and pops a cap in your ass. <laughs> <laughs> and he keeps summoning him and he gets pissed off every time. He's like, God damn it, why do you keep bringing me? <laughs> Say my name. And then there's the Candyman. So that um, also Urban Myth is in the movie, the, the Candyman, which is, um, you know, a guy that was murdered by racists in the south by killing him with like covering him in honey i think they cut off his hand covered him in honey and then let the bees eat him and out of revenge if you say Candyman five times he'll appear and then hook you and it, it also also it sort of comes in in the ring you know maybe the ring so instead of a mirror it's a tv or a video or chain letters chain letters is a sort of urban myth as well linked to that i forgot about chain letters because yeah, yeah. Fond memories, but it's been so long since I've heard <laughs> them. Although I suppose you get the like more modern version of the chain letter, which would be going back to what we were talking about earlier, and it tends to be like my aunts or their friends or like a couple of like friends' parents that I have on Facebook that will send you the modern version of a chain letter that's like, this is Betsy. <laughs> Betsy's dad is in the armed forces. You must share this and like for her to see him again. Otherwise, you do not care about our armed forces. And it's like, what? Yeah. What? <laughs> what on multiple levels? Like, sorry, if I don't send a bunch of people a picture of a random child that you found on the internet, then I don't care about people in the armed forces. Doesn't make any sense. And also, how will me sharing the picture ensure a safe return? <laughs> like, again, I get if you do it because you are the... <laughs> The voodoo queen of Duncan Rig, but I don't have such powers. How am I supposed to help him get back safely? There's another one that I was when I was reading about these, I remember that I, I, I forgot about is the the one about so you, you're in, you go to your bed and you, you feel you hear a noise or you feel a bit frightened, so you put your hand out, and this only applies if you've got a dog um, or a pet of some kind. So you put your hand down and something licks your hands, and you think, Oh, that's my dog just comforting me. Um, so that happens several times and then when you wake up in the morning you go to the bathroom and you pull your shower curtain um, aside and it's actually your dog hanging there his throat's been like hanging there dead and blood everywhere and then you find a note on or something written on the bathroom mirror and it says humans can lick too (laughs) 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 so so please And that is an urban legend that has it originated. Oh, I never find that. <laughs> so, yeah, the licked hand, sometimes known as the doggy lick or humans can lick too, it's been has several versions and has been found in print as early as February. No, that's no, it's it's earlier than that. It says nineteen eighty two. That's bullshit. <laughs> I'm sure there is one. So let me just go down, right? Blah, blah, blah. It's, it says variants of the humans can lick too were being collected by folklorists as long ago as the late 1960s. Indeed, the chain letter version appears to have been cribbed from a 1967 oral transcription published in Ronald L. Baker's Hoosier Folk Legends. As in the later variant, the events were said to have taken place near a small town near Farmersburg, where there were two female protagonists instead of one. And the note left by the murdering madman read, I'm coming to see you. I had my chance once before, but I didn't take it. Not only dogs can lick. But that sort of has happened. 
the humans can lick too in a way. Not that someone was licking their hands, but have you heard of the killer BTK? Yes. So BTK stands for Bind, Torture, Kill. And he used to go into certain people who he was going to target as a victim. And he would go into their house and wait for them to come home. But then if they didn't come home to the point where like, he'd waited too long, he couldn't be bothered waiting anymore. So he would leave them a note saying... By the way, I was here. I was going to get you, bind, torture, and kill you, but you didn't get home, so you're lucky. So he was basically telling them that he was in their home, and if the day they went home at a certain point, they would have been one of his victims, and that is true. So that's sort of a true version of that urban myth. I like that. I mean, that is terrifying, and somebody yeah. killed dog is also terrifying. But you know, I did laugh quite a lot there. But- <laughs> I like that instead of directly translating it, which would be more terrifying, they've almost added, again, murdering dogs isn't comedy, but a weird comedy element to it. It was, the, to be honest, it was the bit where humans can lick too that quite entertained me because in my head it was like they were fucked off with the dog, like, bitch getting to lick all the time. I can lick. But yeah, what, I get what you're saying. Clearly, the, there is a link, and that's what the story's based on. But I find it odd that that was the way in which it was altered to be like, but what if he was jealous of dogs? <laughs> I just want to lick someone's hands. Oh. <laughs> um, and also, on links, sort of similar myth to that is the, the babysitter. There was a lot of babysitter myths. So, like, you're in your house and you're the babysitter, and you're looking after the kids. And then you get like a phone call and it's someone saying, oh, you know, threatening you and things like that. And then you find out that the phone call wasn't coming from outside. It was coming from an upstairs room and he was inside the house the whole time. Or there's one where there's like a scary clown statue in the room and you phone the owners and say, look, I I like babysitting, but see the next time, can you cover up that clown statue in the corner? And then they go, what clown statue? Get out. And it turns out that it's not a clown statue. It's like a scary killer or something hiding in the corner or someone's been in and put it there. I've also heard that one before. And in my region of it, I again was entertained by an odd part of it, but it's the, in the version I heard, she's on the phone to the mum of the couple that she's babysitting for. And the mum screams, there's not a clown statue in the house. Get out. Yeah. You laugh because I thought that'd be such an odd immediate reaction. Like I feel like if someone was house sitting for me and phoned them was like, I don't like that clown statue in your spare room, I wouldn't be like, There is no clown statue, get out. I'd be like, What the fuck are you on about? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Are you drunk? <laughs> and then there's the one about the sort of teenage couple or the young lovers that go to the forest in their car. They drive in the middle of nowhere, you know, to have a bit of sexy fun time. And they hear a noise outside and then the boyfriend goes, right, I'm going to go out because it's always a man that has to go out and investigate, not a woman. Um, so he goes out and investigates. He says, right, I'll, I'll have a look and see who it is. And she waits a while and she hears a scraping on the, the top of her car and then falls asleep. And then when she wakes up, the police are there. And um, they get to her, get out the car, get out the car, but don't look back no matter what you do. But then she looks back and she sees her boyfriend hanging from a tree and the tapping noise was just his feet scraping off the top of the roof of the car the whole time. And then another variation of that. <laughs> Sorry, again, it's the, the weird 
reaction because I, I'm a, I'm imagining from that story either we're supposed to presume he's been murdered or that he's committed suicide. But I think the police's automatic response would be that he's committed suicide. So you think they'd be a lot calmer and be like, right, can you come with us? We want you just to look straight forward and we walk you away. The idea that the police would be like, get out of the car, don't look back, don't look back. Like, it's a slightly OTT reaction, but okay. Yeah, and the other variation of that is the hook man. So these are tales that are they're mostly told around campfires and things. So um, it basically, again, features an amorous couple out for a drive. When the radio informs them a hook-handed lunatic has escaped from a local institution, either the couple go home to find a hook embedded in the back of the car, or one of them ends up suspended again above the car with his fingers scraping against the roof. <laughs> Which also would be inspired like sort of the Candyman or I Know What You Did Last Summer because he's got like a hook for a hand. And it also links in with, you know, how like if you have sex in a horror movie, then you're somehow morally wrong. So you should be punished for it. And they end up getting killed by the madman with a hook. So it's like a moral story of don't have sex before marriage or bad things will happen. Or a hooked murderer who's the good guy, presumably in this story, will kill you. Also, again, like it's the little details that make it clearly not true, which is why it's always entertaining when people believe these, because the police don't generally report when someone's escaped from a mental health facility. And also the idea <laughs> that if someone escaped, they wouldn't just be like, can you keep your eye out for Stephen Smith? He's a 28-year-old man with short hair wearing a blue hoodie. Please contact police or the hospital if you see him, rather than going like, a hooked and madman has escaped. <laughs> <laughs> Bold waiting you for. <laughs> and then there's, um, have you heard of the spider bite one? What do you think that entails? Oh, so I think I have heard of this one. The version I heard of it, which to be fair, I think someone did tell me as though it was true, possibly when I was at uni, possibly when I was studying zoology, which is why I immediately thought it was insane. Um, that someone told me that one of their friends had been on holiday <laughs> on one of those things that people do in Essex where you like go to an African village and help build a school or a new well or whatever. Um, and when they were there, they'd been bitten by a spider in their sleep and it had, the bite had swollen up and they had gone to the doctor, but the doctor had said, they got the doctor there and the doctor had said, it's fine. Sometimes these bites swell up, but it's not gone into a rash. So you've not taken a full allergic reaction. And then when they got back here, the doctor said it would need lanced like a boil. And when he lanced it, thousands of baby spiders ran out all over their face. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. They're often they're often a young person and they travel to a far flung location or bitten by a spider in the hand and then when they get home they get a hatching and all the spiders come out and burst from under their skin, which is a bit like, you know, like alien. Yeah. Or things like that. Or do you remember I don't know if you ever watched Star Trek, but that used to freak me out as a kid. Um there was a scene in the Rath of Khan where I think it was Chekhov, they put um an eerie thing in yeah. I was terrified of that when I was a kid as well. Yeah, and I used to think, I used to, every time I seen earwigs, I used to think they were going to get. That's why they were called earwigs that they would crawl in your ear and then hatch. I, exactly the same. I'm terrified of earwigs until I was about probably about like eleven or twelve because of that scene. I I thought that that's what they did. I thought if they got near your face, they climbed inside your ear and like made. <laughs> Uh, I know. Um, 
so yeah, that's an interesting one. <laughs> the spider thing. And then there is also the urban myth about um maybe this is more American, but I think it might have came over here, is that and when they're trick-or-treating, people would hide razor blades or hypodermic needles in the candy or in the apples. So I've heard that one, yeah. They would obviously like horrific things that would happen. Or there's urban myths about food. Apparently there was a recent one on the internet where people were taken in by claims that popular fast food out like KFC were breeding genetically mutated chickens for their burgers. <laughs> well, the shock pictures were quickly revealed to be fakes. More than one of my, one of the Facebook friends were taken in. So that's something, I don't know. Did you ever see that? I did see that and I'm not going to lie to you. Until now, it hasn't really, I hadn't really thought to question it because when I read it, I thought, well, they're like a meat mass industry, so I'm sure if there was some sort of genetic mutation in their chicken stock, as long as it didn't result in people's deaths, they probably would just keep slaughtering and selling them. So I never gave it a second thought. Now that you bring it up again, I'm like, yeah, clearly that's made up. But when I read it at the time, I just thought, oh, well, that's you know, horrible. That, actually, I fed into that because I refuse to eat KFC now because I've seen pictures of people that have supposedly been posted of sort of disgusting like chicken that they've served that is like raw, like raw chicken or weird body part, like chicken parts that have been found, like beaks. So I just cannot eat KFC chicken. I'm sure probably KFC food's all right, but I just can't, I cannot buy it because I, I keep, that image just keeps popping up in my head. I mean, that probably will be fake as well, because I remember that this is quite common and I looked it up afterwards, but this is how exciting I am on a date. When I, when I was in uni, I went on a date with a guy that worked in Ketchup, the burger restaurant, and he was talking about how they'd had like a bad online review and someone had posted one of their burgers and like how disgusting it was. But what they'd actually done is Googled like disgusting burgers and then just copied a picture and posted it on the review site like Yelp or whatever saying this is a picture of the disgusting burger I had there and it was like the fifth burger that came up if you just googled the words disgusting burger and then there's a daft one that, that you know how like space how is it space rocks or something that you call it space dust yes, yes. mix it with coke it will make you explode in the inside <laughs> <laughs> I've seen people try that online. It's really funny. <laughs> Again, I have vague memories of that from primary school, but yeah, the same thing where I think I was like, drink probably a bottle of limeade, loved limeade when I was a kid. I think I was like eating space rocks and drinking a bottle of limeade. And yeah, I have memories of someone I went to primary school with being like, Mark, you can't do that. You'll explode. Like, Yeah, I remember my dad, like in primary school, someone said that if you eat apple seeds, then they'll stay in your stomach and they'll grow in a tree and kill you. <laughs> Which is easily provable by all of the children that are now trees. Yeah. I was I remember I swallowed chewing gum once and I genuinely thought I was gonna die because it would stick to my insides and, and kill me that way. And I was I couldn't I honestly thought that was me going. But then obviously I learned from that that, that was bullshit because I didn't die, I was fine. Yeah, like <laughs> I've heard that one as well a lot, but I mean, and then the sort of adult version of it, if you want, is yeah, but really it's the issue that because it takes quite a long time to digest, that can cause issues internally. And it's like, well, it only takes a long time to ingest because it contains gelatin, 
much like any meat product, takes longer than a plant product to digest. Doesn't mean you're going to die. Yeah, the rumour was that it would um, stick to your intestines or wind around them or something, so it would block anything coming out. So you would get backed up to the point where <laughs> um, or there's the, the um, speaking of backed up for things in your arse. Um, <laughs> the gerb, what was the rumour that Richard Gere, this kind of plays in with <laughs> rock stars, that Richard Gere shoved a gerbil up his arse or up someone else's arse. Yeah, I've heard that one. <laughs> and again, South Park took the piss out of that. Um, with Larry Winks, <laughs> it was a whole adventure. Again, it's the idea that so many people believe that, but your immediate thought, surely, if someone said, did you know Richard Gere stuck a gerbil up his arse, would be like, why would you shoot a gerbil up your arse? Like, not why would Richard Gere do it, just why would anyone do that? That's not never, Why Richard Gere, though? Yeah, odd voice of person. He seems like fairly vanilla, so of all people, I couldn't imagine him jamming a gerbil up his arse. But then he <laughs> like, like, What's the Wachowski called that's, is it, is it Lana that's uh, married to the, or dating the uh, dominatrix now? Um, okay. One of the Wachowski sisters, is it, I think oh, it's Lana. They're both, they're not, oh yeah, they're both sisters now, yeah, because they're both trans. Yeah. I don't, I don't know who they're dating. I think, I'm sure it's Lana, who's the um, quite punky looking girl, I think they're quite, I, I can't remember the names, but there's one of very punky looking and one of them's quite sort of matronly but like fashionable matronly so the punky yeah. one her i don't know if it's her girlfriend or her wife um but she's in a long-term relationship with a professional dominatrix and even at that if somebody said to me did you know that lana wachowski jammed a gerbil up her arse i'd be like pretty sure she didn't <laughs> like, i mean i imagine she's probably a wee bit kinky given who she goes out with don't think she jammed gerbil up her arse like there's levels to these things I'm just trying to think, like, I need to look that up. Who started that rumour? Why Why did you think, why a gerbil? And and how do you, like, do you shove a tube up first and then put the gerbil in? How, would the, why would the gerbil think that that's a good idea to crawl up someone's arm? <laughs> yeah, like, I think that's the thing, again, with a lot of urban myths that they only work on, either if you're really stupid or you really don't care. Because yeah, surely if any, if you knew Richard Gear, if we were if we were Hollywood celebrities and you were at a party and I don't know Angela Bassett came over to us and was like, here, do you know Richard Gear jams gerbils up his arse? I'd be like, right, hold up a minute, Angela. Why? <laughs> How does he go about that? As, have you asked him about whether or not there's some sort of pleasure involved in that? What made him first decide to try it? Like, I'd have so many follow-up questions. I would just be like, oh wow, who knew? Right, so I'm on Snopes about this because I genuinely want to know how this originated. So it says on here, a 26-year-old male arrives at ER complaining of rectal bleeding. He is too embarrassed to provide an accurate history, but provides the examining doctor a clue. There might be something stuck in my rear end. <laughs> Examination reveals a non-tender abdomen, but a rectal exam shows blood coming from his anus. A speculum exam reveals a bloody stool and a dead gerbil. <laughs> Apparently, through the cardboard tubing from a paper towel roll, which is what I thought he would do, the rodent has been forced into his rectum. So he didn't do it voluntarily. Once the animal was in, the tube was pulled out. The idea is that as the gerbil, gerbil suffocates, it scratches and claws at the lining of the rectum, providing an intense sensation. So the patient has fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> 
The rodents then have, have been defecated, but the swelling and bleeding had caused the retention of the animal. The patient required pain medication and antibiotics after the animal was removed, but then was allowed to go home. So my two follow-up questions after Angela Bassett said exactly that statement that you've just read out to us would be like, right, okay, Angela. So questions one, how loose is Richard Gere's arsehole? <laughs> a cardboard tube up there? Because those things are quite flimsy. So, I mean, that makes no sense. And also, how did somebody put a tube up Richard Gere's arse and then drop a verbal into it without him noticing? <laughs> here that they're supposed to defecate it out so maybe Richard um, gears our souls that tight that it, 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 it suffocated the gerbil but the arsehole would have to be really tight in order to suffocate the gerbil <laughs> but it would have to be really 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 loose in order to put what again is a very flimsy type of cardboard chip up there so <laughs> has he got two arseholes <laughs> I don't know it says on Snopes Contrary to right widespread public belief, gerbil stuffing is unknown as an actual sexual practice, nor are we aware of a verified medical case of a gerbil having been extracted from a patient's rectum. <laughs> Despite the assiduousness, which the doctors record unusual items removed from patients' rectums in order to write them up as illustrative cases, we haven't yet found a medical journal article involving a gerbil removal. Strangely <laughs> enough. Uh, doctors, like most people, often repeat urban legends and stories told to them by others as first-person experiences. Hence, our standard for declaring this true is a peer-reviewed journal article rather than an, an anecdote. The notion of gerbiling, not necessarily, this is in brackets, not necessarily restricted to homosexuals, as the insertion of items into the rectum for purposes of autoeroticism is practiced by heterosexuals as well. Yeah, I think that should be pointed out. I'm glad the article expanded on that, just in case people don't know that heterosexuals have anuses. Yeah, they do. And also practice anal sex. Appears to be pure invention, a tale fabricated to demonstrate the depravity with which some allegedly pursue sexual pleasure. While people do stick all sorts of unusual items up their arses, they are so they are also they also do so for reasons other than sexual pleasure, like a, a depository, I suppose. When you stick that up your arse for medical reasons. <laughs> and then, so, the implication being that some people put gerbils up their arse because it's good for their health. And this is where Richard Gere comes in. So it says, like similar legends such as the promiscuous rock star. Like the Rod Stewart one, where he sucked, like he went to the hospital ill, and it turns out he had to have his stomach pumped because it was so full of semen. But this tale has been applied to various public figures who are known or believed to be homosexual. Right, so so they're saying that Richard Gere was rumoured to be homosexual, and it stuck with one in particular, Richard Gere. <laughs> I really like well, the idea that if you thought Richard Gere was gay, instead of saying, I think Richard Gere's gay, and someone saying, where's your evidence, and going, well, I saw him wench a guy, to go, my pal's a doctor and he had to surgically remove a gerbil from his arsehole. <laughs> it says it's clung tenaciously to Mr. Gear's name since at least the mid-1980s. Rumours that he had an emergency gerbil optomy <laughs> at Caesar Sinai Hospital in California spread far and wide and countless doctors and nurses <laughs> claim to have participated in being hand on hand been on hand during or heard from a reliable colleague about the procedure. So doctors and nurses are now claiming that they were there 
when they pulled the gerbil out of Richard Gere's arse. <laughs> <laughs> so it says, the rumour spread was aided by an anonymous prankster who not long after... And it. <laughs> yeah. What do you like? Led to a tremendous increase in Gere's popularity because of Pretty Women. Flood, flooded fax machines in Hollywood with a phony press release purportedly um, issued by the association, but for the prevention of cruelty to animals, claiming that Gear had abused a gerbil. But as a reporter from the National Enquirer, which is one of my favourite trash magazines, found when he attempted to track down the gerbil story, there were no facts to be had. I wish that the <laughs> National Enquirer would give some advice to the Daily Mail. I think they could um, be with it. Um, <laughs> what is this? So rest assured that neither news outlet ever published a news article about these fictitious events. And then there's another thing here. It ends with, I don't know who they're quoting here. In retrospect, lighting the match was my big mistake, but I was only trying to retrieve the gerbil. Eric Tomaskusi told Bemused Doctors in the severe burns unit of Salt Lake City Hospital. Tomaskusi and his homosexual partner, Andrew Kiki Farnham, had been admitted for emergency treatment after a felching session had gone seriously wrong. I pushed a cardboard tube up his rectum and slipped ragged or gerbil in, he explained. As usual, Kiki shouted out, Armageddon, my cue that he'd had enough, as he said for it. <laughs> I tried to retrieve ragged, but he wouldn't come out again. So I peered into the tube and struck a match, thinking the light might attract him. At a hushed press conference, a hospital spokesman described what happened next. The match ignited... <laughs> Sorry, I have to pause you there. Again, yeah. the we're bullshitting these things at a hushed press conference. Somebody got something stuck up their arse and the hospital held a press conference. Only your top tier journalists are allowed in to the arse conferences. It then says the match ignited a pocket of intestinal gas and a flame shot out the tube, igniting Mr. Thomas his hair and severely burning his face. It also set fire to the gerbil Spartan whiskers, which in turn ignited a larger pocket of gas further up the intestine, propelling the rodent out like a cannonball. <laughs> Where did it come out of his face? <laughs> his mouth? I don't get it. So, so Matt, he said Thomas Skuski suffered se- second degree burns and a broken nose from the impact of the gerbil while Farnham suffered first and second degree burns to his anus and lower intestinal tract. <laughs> <laughs> what? Do you know, do you think people have actually tried, I know this is horrible, but do you think people have actually tried on the back of that rumour to actually shove a gerbil up their arse? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a short answer to that. Like, again, I can't imagine... How I mean that would be not like that's not a sex act. It's like sexual depravity. So, do I imagine that anyone's ever sexually abused an animal? Unfortunately, yes. Do I imagine that anyone that's into like non-depraved kinky sex has ever tried to shove a gerbil up their arse after reading that story? No, <laughs> not even slightly. Associating that kind of stuff with homosexuality as well is again it's it's sort of behind that urban myth. It's sort of a slur to either spread rumours about people to damage their reputation by coming up with something so ridiculous. Like, you know, and then, again, it comes back to me in in high school or secondary school where people just took the 
I was a voodoo queen <laughs> and spread it about and exaggerated it. Because I have I- um, a really entertaining quote that I found. So on that note, who Paul Cameron is? No. So Paul Cameron's famous because his work, which is based on absolutely nothing, right, at all. Like he just makes it up. He makes up his own charts, his own graphs, his own stats just by writing things. Like to the extent that if I said to you just now, 97% of trees have eyes, that level of making things up. Um, And he's been rejected by the American Psychological Association and the American Sociological Association. And I was kind of looking into him because exactly as you say, I thought it kind of, I was trying to see if there was any urban myths I could link to him, basically because he's a dickhead and I wanted to make fun of him. Um, And the reason I call him a dickhead is because he's massively homophobic and he was one of the main scientists consulted by Ronald Reagan throughout his presidency, even though, again, not a scientist, just a mad guy. Uh, He was also consulted regularly by the former US Education Secretary, William Bennett, and he was consulted by the Tories on Section 28, which for anyone who doesn't know was the law that many people want reinstated, that means that gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender and queer people should not be allowed to work in any jobs with children, so to teach, be social workers, uh, be paediatricians and things like that. And quite a lot of their arguments were based on his again completely made up research like he just he just lied about practices that he'd found out gay people had been involved in or made up nonsensical statistics i think one of them was that you're i can't remember the exact number but i think it was 400 lesbians are 400 times more likely to die in a driving accident than heterosexual women so he just said crazy things but um when i was looking at him I found this quote from him that made me laugh because I thought kind of part of the issue as well with people who make up these deranged lies about gay people is what are they trying to hide? In an interview with Rolling Stone in 1999, when he was asked about his work with all these different world governments and why he did it and why he was so anti-gay, he said, marital sex tends towards the boring end. Generally, it doesn't deliver the kind of sheer sexual pleasure that homosexual sex acts do. If you isolate sexuality as something solely for one's own personal amusement, if all you want is the more satisfying orgasm that you can get, then homosexuality is too powerful to resist. (laughs) I think that um, his issue might be quite similar to those that make up um, rumours about Richard Gere, where... I think if you're like, I hate gay people, especially Richard Gere, here's why. Maybe it's just because you want to bang Richard Gere, because I'm pretty sure from his quote on it being too powerful to resist that he might actually quite like gay sex. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's nothing wrong with anal sex. It's quite pleasurable. If you if that's your thing, you try it. I recommend it. But there's just... something wrong with putting gerbils up your arse. Don't oh, do that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, it's, again, like South Park, here, like the Lords of Satire. They've got a character called Mr. Slave, who's like the biggest stereotypical sort of lever daddy gay, like really outrageously homosexual. And his party piece is that he can shove Paris Hilton all the way up his muscle <laughs> to the point where zooms her completely. <laughs> like he actually jumps on her head and pushes himself over her. Quite the party piece. So that was just like, yeah, taking it to the complete extreme. So um, 
Finally, I just want to end with because we're coming up to nearly two hours. I mean, I could talk about urban myths for some length of time. Um, we could probably do several podcasts about it. But yeah, the final yeah. one, which I think is the most notorious, is the rock star stomach pump legend, which we've mentioned a few times. The one that I first heard about was related to Rod Stewart. But according to Snopes, it says, good legends never die, they simply morph to fit the changing times. Way back when, in less sexually open times, the guys in high school who weren't getting any, which was most of them, would tell <laughs> salacious and spiteful tales about those ambiguous... I can't say that word, can you? Ubiquitous? I'm so shit at reading. Symbols of youthful sexual desire, cheerleaders. If you couldn't have them, the next best thing was to dismiss them as tawdry sluts of easy virtue, so lacking in moral. Maybe maybe that was another thing. Um, I, I know this might sound egotistical, but maybe when I was in high school, the reason why people wanted to label me as like a voodoo queen is that a lot of guys maybe might, or a lot of people, women as well, might fancy me and uh, they just wanted to spread malicious rumours about me instead. I don't know. Yeah, rather than yeah. being attracted to the alternative girl, they're like, she's yeah. evil. Exactly. So um, then it says, so it says here, which is interesting about, there was a rumour about the silent movie star Clara Bow is that she had sex with an entire football team, which I definitely think is untrue. But because she was was known as like the it girl and she was like a a sort of sexually free or loose woman for the times, like a flapper girl, they started basically spreading rumours about her in real life that she basically fucked an entire football team, including John Wayne, who was in the football team. I mean, I would imagine it's untrue, firstly, because I don't think she would want to fuck an entire football team in one go, because that just seems tiring. And also, I imagine there'd be statistically some guys on the football team who were gay, so wouldn't want to fuck her. And also, statistically, quite a chunk of guys in football team who probably wouldn't want to be involved in a gigantic gangbang. Like, if you said she had a three-way with two guys off a football team, I'd be like, all right, yeah, that seems feasibly possible for everyone in that scenario. But to be like... An entire football team fucked her, like, mm, no. Yeah. But then it also goes back, that reminds me of, like, sort of ancient Roman, um, the emperor, I think it was Claudius, one of his wives, or Nero, I think it was Claudius, one of his wives was rumoured to be so slutty that she once challenged um, a, a famous prostitute to um, how many men they could service in one night, <laughs> and that she was such a slut that the prostitute lost she gave up because she was exhausted she couldn't beat the empress slutty wife <laughs> and how many men she could pump i mean like clearly that's like an like was made up by like some sort of anti-monarchy group but i also find it very entertaining that she's like i challenge you to a sloth yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. With the Rockstar thing, it says, as in all good sour grapes tales, these tarts got their knuppins when their deviant behaviour caused them to fall ill, requiring trips to the hospital where astonishing amounts of semen were pumped from their stomachs, revealing their nasty little sexual proclivities to the world. They didn't just suck, they swallowed too. (laughs) (laughs) So, um... So then it said, when the concepts concepts of teenage sex and oral sex began to lose their power to titillate and shock, the target of the legend changed to new symbols of debauchery and excess, rock stars. 
in that incarnation, the disapproved element of homosexuality was added. Again, it's linked to the gerbil thing. Um, as the tale began to be told only about male rock stars, specifically those rumoured to be something less than 100% heterosexual, as in Elton John or Rod Stewart. But I never thought Rod Stewart was a sort of gay guy. I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, don't, I, I very much um, I believe in the whole Quincy scale thing. I don't think anyone's 100% straight or 100% gay. But I'd say that Rod Stewart's pretty far along the, the like line of straightness. Like, he's... <laughs> a particularly heterosexual human being. I mean, I know he sort of, like, in the 70s, he had, like, a favourite haircut. He was quite thin, effeminate, maybe effeminate-looking, but he wore, like, leopard print leggings and stuff. But I don't think he was as flat, like, flamboyant as, say, David Bowie was back then. No. So, so it says, never mind that the amount of semen supposedly pumped out of the subject generally exceeded the capacity of even the largest of stomachs. <laughs> would required continuously form performing blowjobs for about three days straight to ingest that semen in any quantity isn't toxic and that someone who ingested too much would at worst feel nauseated for a little while or throw up but wouldn't be subjected to a stomach pumping <laughs> possibility has never been a barrier to the spread of popular urban legends <laughs> oh, well, the following people have this legend attributed to them right so guess how many how many people do you think how, Name some rock stars do you, you think might have had this this rumour applied to them? Um, I mean, the only person I've ever heard it about until now is Lil' Kim. But I'm going to go with more than one. <laughs> That's one. So, let's say 30. The, the list is Rod Stewart, obviously, that's the one that I heard. Elton John, David Bowie, Mark Almond. I mean, he did have a song called Sex Dwarf, so I could kind of believe that. Mick Jagger. Andy Warhol, Jeff Beck, John Bon Jovi, and the drummer for Bon Jovi, the lead singer for the New Kids on the Block. <laughs> the Bay City Rollers, what, all of them? <laughs> How many is that? Four or five? Four Bay City Rollers? <laughs> Maybe they sucked each other off, I don't know. Alanis Morissette. <laughs> Lil Kim. Foxy Brown. Who's Foxy Brown? Britney Spears and Fiona Apple. The amount of ejaculate retrieved from the star stomach is often specified, such as seven ounces, one gallon, or ten gallons. Ten gallons? <laughs> <laughs> In his 2012 autobiography, singer Rod Stewart attributed the connection of his name with this legend to rumours spread by a disgruntled assistant. He claims that his one-time sidekick, Tony Toon, made up the tale after he was fired for taking a male lover back to a hotel room he was sharing with the star's seven-year-old stepson. Toon accompanied Stuart and his then-wife, Alana, on a vacation in Hawaii, and the hotel was overbooked. The assistant and Alana's son wound up sharing a room. Stuart explained, quote, We had our children, Sean and Kimberly, in a room with us, and we asked Toon to share a room with Alana's son, Ashley, who was then seven, Toon, of course, couldn't resist pulling some bloke in the bar that evening and taking him back to the room. I fired him in the morning. Toon's revenge was absolutely inspired. He fed the press a story in which, as a consequence of an evening spent orally servicing a gang of sailors in a gay bar in San Diego, I had been required to check into a hospital emergency room to have my stomach pumped. <laughs> I had never orally pleasured even a solitary sailor, let alone a ship's worth in one evening, and I've never had my stomach pumped either of naval issue semen or any other kind of semen. <laughs> Sorry, 
I've never had an opinion one way or the other on Rod Stewart, but that story's made me like him a great deal. <laughs> I enjoy the level of comedy in that. <laughs> that his response is like, no, I mean, I've never even sucked off one sailor, to be honest with you. <laughs> It's not even, it's not just any kind of semen, it's natal issue semen. <laughs> <laughs> with minor variations, this story has stayed with me ever since. Say what you like about Tony Toon and God rest his soul, but he was good at his job. <laughs> so, <laughs> he forgives him. I'm at least thinking Rod Stewart's got a sense of humour about it. You know what I mean? True. I don't know about Richard Gere. I don't think he's ever said anything about the whole gerbil thing. I mean, I feel like it's one of those things that <laughs> it's again such a ridiculous question that you just be like, no, <laughs> no, that didn't happen. So some of the the legend of this, I don't, I don't know, I, I, I've only heard about the, the Rod Stewart one, but apparently now the legend does keep resurfacing attributed to whatever singer is currently disliked for being too popular so maybe Justin Bieber might be one of these people that have sucked off too many people but some versions still attempt to shock rather than simply to generate their targets by including elements of bestiality that is in some tellings of stomach contents are said to have included dog semen as if sperm typing were a category of death also. Yeah, I like the idea that like once you get stomach pump, <laughs> the doctor's just there with the sieve, like trying to separate out all the different jizz and running DNA tests on it for what purpose? <laughs> like, Mum, Dad, when I grow up, I want to be a, a jizz tester. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I want to find out um, what kind of jizz is in people. the jizz doctor although this tale is really related as a belief tale these days um the tellers generally realize they're passing on something that's merely a wild story and not an account of an actual occurrence even if they continue to claim the latter similar tales about a girl who inadvertently blurts out an embarrassing question in a biology class and a girl who has an unfortunate mishap with a hot dog are still widely related to true events and it's just urban myths to to sum up are based on rumors to basically like ruin someone's reputation and to stir up people's fears and prejudices yeah and you can have a good laugh about it as well true i mean some of them have been quite entertaining again even the more dangerous ones are more yeah i, I think there's there's an element of if you can just laugh at it, it'll go away. I think the worry is that because quite a lot of people are stupid, they don't realise they should just be laughing at them. Yeah, that's the best way to deal with a myth, is to debunk it and then just have a good laugh about it and satirise it like South Park do, which they've done very well. But then there's a dangerous side of things where people will just accept urban myths as true and share it like the modern equivalent of a chain letter would be memes and Facebook social media is sharing bullshit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And again, people have to engage their brains and have a bit of a a bullshit detector because to go back to what we were saying about like the Eastern European man trying to adopt a child, if somebody tells you, if your friend tells you that they're like, I'm going to make it even more ridiculous. Their six-month-old is reported to them that an Eastern European man demanded that they get into his truck. Probably don't believe them because that story makes no sense. <laughs> if somebody tells you something that is clearly false, maybe ignore them. I want to I wanna finish this up by talking about urban myths that we were aware of when we were kids. So the biggest one that I remember was the killer clowns. Mm-hmm. 
And um, so back in the early 90s, when I was in primary school, probably like primary one, two or three, there was rumours that around East Kilbride, where, we, where I live or where we lived, is that there was gangs of people dressed as clowns driving around in vans looking for kids and that they were hanging about our primary school that they were rumoured to be of sighted around South Park and it got to the point we were all that hysterical about it that our head teacher had to have an assembly and tell us that there's no such thing as killer clowns so stop stop spreading the rumours about it and stop being scared you know you had to reassure us that this wasn't true but we still believed it I mean, yeah, exactly the same one. Um, the killer clowns, and yeah, it was all around the school, and eventually we had to have a whole school assembly about how there had been no police reports about clowns trying to abduct children. No one had seen a clown in a van. This had not happened. Um, but then even at that, I remember that it must have it would have been a weekend when I was in maybe primary six or primary seven. And one of my friends that I went to primary school with and I were walking from, I think, the garage to his house. And we saw a white van and we were so freaked out about it that an old lady who was out doing her garden, <laughs> I can still remember what she looked like, um, like calmed us down and actually had to get us to come into her back garden and sit down and make his tea to like chill out because we were so convinced that there was a van of child molesting clowns following us through the street. Which I think we can safely say there wasn't. I think even to think back on it, I don't have the false memory of us seeing a clown. I genuinely think we just saw a white van. And had, like... Yeah, because I'm starting to think, did I actually ever see a van about? Or I wonder how many... I don't rem- I don't know whether any of like my my friends or like pupils at the time in the school around that time claimed that they had been picked up. By one of the killer clowns or chased through I'm pretty sure uh, there's got to be some of them that, that might have claimed that they were chased by these clowns through the foray or something I mean there will have been because if I think of my classes now every year with S1 we do a thing on homelessness and why we should respect homeless people more and how people get into that situation and the misunderstandings surrounding it and now I actually start the entire unit off with saying you are not allowed to tell me that one, when you were on holiday with your family in London, blah, 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 blah. Or two, your Aunt Jackie's pal Angela told you, blah, 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 because these things aren't true. Because, yeah, every year, and even after to do that disclaimer, there's always, not even one, there's always at least three kids in every class that put their hand up and are like, okay, so I know you said not to say this, but when I was on holiday in London, I actually did give a pound to a homeless person and then they got up from where I was standing and they went and they got in like a really expensive sports car and drove away. (laughs) No, but they didn't. And then another kid would put their hand up and go, no, but sir, like my Aunt Jackie, and I know you said not to talk about her, but she like she does know someone who pretends to be homeless and they make over £60,000 a year from pretending to be homeless. Like, you could say well have you ever considered a career as a hobo then because it seems to be a good money (laughs) like it's very lucrative (laughs) but again that's just another example of an urban myth but yeah if we go to the the killer clowns thing yeah a hundred percent there will have been kids in both of our classes that were like i know someone who has been killed by them my cousin has been taken away with them or whatever because yeah i mean that's what kids do (laughs) yeah and and also i remember me and my, my, my friends at the time, like, I, I always thought this was shite, but they made up um, their own sort of urban myth 
which was a mixture of the sort of the, the dead dog story with the licked hand and the sort of like the, the intruder or the boogeyman. Um, and they made up this character called Honey. And it got, I don't know who started this Honey thing, but there's a character called Honey and he would come into your house or kill your dog. And I don't know exactly where he came from. Sorry, I can't why. stop laughing because Honey sounds like someone you can go up the greenhouse to buy weed off of. <laughs> like, oh, do you know my pal Honey? <laughs> yeah, well, we are in greenhouse at the time, so I suppose that makes sense. What are you trying to <laughs> at me coming through greenhills each <laughs> and and they would, and it got to the point where they started genuinely believing this character called Honey and it actually fell out with them over it because I was sick of, of their absolute bullshit. So maybe I'm not one to always believe in I'm I'm generally like naturally a cynical person so I don't I've never really bought into religion even when my mum took me to Sunday school or when I was sitting having to quote the Lord's prayer every morning in school or having to sing hymns and never believed it it was just something in the back of my like my gut instinct that just questioned everything and just didn't take it as gospel you know the absolute truth I always sort of in the back of my mind thought no there's there's something else to this I don't quite believe it so I don't think I've I, that's why I'm not really taken in with urban myths I question things, whereas I don't think some people just either like spreading rumours or just are naive enough to believe them. Yeah, it's the what we talked about earlier, the like Tommy Robinson effect that for people who aren't and don't know who Tommy Robinson is, aren't you lucky? I mean, the only way I can describe him is basically he's a really stupid celebrity racist. Like he's not on TV or anything, he's just famous for being racist. Um, but yeah, the number of people that that are like, oh, well, this is true because Tommy Robinson said it. And it's like, right, so someone who's been jailed for being a racist said something that is racist and you just automatically believe it to be true, which I find odd in adults because, yeah, exactly as you're saying, even as a small child, I was one of those, like, why kids? So if somebody told me anything, I'd be like, okay, and why did that happen? Right, and why did that happen? Right, and why did that happen? Right, and why did they believe that? Right, and who was there? And who saw it? And why did they think that? And on and on and on and on and on. And I think, you know, that sets you up well for adult life instead of just being, I read this thing a person said. Well, they said it, so it must be true. You get that teacher, like, in tune the fact that goes, you you come in and ask questions like that when you come in wearing a decent coat. You know, that's so funny. Like, you, you know, you question the teacher and then they come out with bullshit like that to distract because they don't know how to answer it. Yeah, I do think I was actually talking about that with one of the girls that I teach with. That I feel like both of us have a strength as a teacher that, yeah, when a kid's like, can you explain blah, blah, blah to me? If it's not something that I've, that I teach and it's not something that I've learned about and I don't know, I'll just be like, oh, I have absolutely no idea. Like, why don't you look it up and you can tell me about it? Like, can't answer yeah question whereas yeah I think you're right there are a lot of people in education who unfortunately do have the tendency to go well this and I know that's true because well I'm a teacher like mm. remember when Mrs Bell told that story about one of the RE teachers that would bang his fists on the desk and shout really aggressively God is love (laughs) that always made me laugh (laughs) (laughs) So I think we'll just end it on that. What topic are you want to speak about um, on our next podcast? 
Okay, so again, this is a really broad topic, so I'm going to put more of a, a specific on it. I would like us both to pick two our two favourite cryptids to tell each other about. Oh, lovely. Okay, brilliant. I'm looking forward to that. Yes. We might pick the same ones, though. It's okay. We can we can check with each other beforehand that we don't do the same ones. Okay, so a cryptic is, for anyone who doesn't know what that is, is a, a, a creature, a biological creature that isn't officially known in science to exist. It's not, a, it's like an undiscovered species, would you say? That was yeah. right? It's, yeah, it's basically an, it's an animal that we don't have any DNA evidence of, we don't have them, we don't have a preserved living or dead specimen of we just have reports of people seeing them so it's an animal whose existence or survival is disputed or unsubstantiated for example a yeti or bigfoot so that's what we're going to talk about next week so that was fun um i look forward to doing that um thanks everyone so far who's been listening to us and and hopefully keep listening <laughs> yeah it's really cool to know that we we have people listen I'm, I'm hoping that people are enjoying it yeah and when mark yeah. Hang- instagram account updated <laughs> <laughs> pictures on there just feel free to comment and we'll share um well should we just tell them what the instagram yeah so it exists it just currently has absolutely no content which is handy um it is crystal myth podcast all the one word on instagram okay thanks mark and Hi everyone. Crystal. Mess.